Welcome to the Healthcare Business Secrets Show, where we interview industry leaders and break down exactly how they're dominating their markets so you can learn from the best and can double your revenue, double your impact, and double your time off. In this episode, we're speaking with Kobe Sperber. Cody is a real estate investment expert, educator, entrepreneur, author, and philanthropist. Uh, he started out trying his luck in real estate business after serving in the US Navy uh, and getting a bachelor's degree in finance, but with no luck, he had to quit and take a job as a bookkeeper. Because of the insistence of a friend, he ended up at a seminar where he met his mentor, Lyle, who helped him restructure his business. And a year later, he had flipped over 50 houses, generating passive income streams from rental properties and built one of the most searched real estate buying, selling websites on Google. Today, Cody has closed more than a thousand real estate deals worth 200 million dollars and still closes seven to 15 real estate deals per month. He also teaches other people how to do this and have success in real estate by themselves. Welcome to the show, Cody. Hey, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Hello from Arizona. Yeah. I got you on the show because I really love bringing in people that are doing different things. Uh, often it's just the same old stuff on, on shows where you know they're talking about marketing. They're just bringing in 50 million different marketers. And why I've got you on the show is because you're having massive success in a different area, but there's a lot of overlap in terms of you know mindset around success, in terms of structures, systems, teams, things like that to make this sort of stuff work. So what I wanted you to do is give our audience uh, some context to who you are. Tell us a bit more about yourself, how you got into this and what you're doing uh, right now. Yeah, so uh, like uh, James said, I'm Cody Sperber from Phoenix, Arizona. I am married. I got two amazing kiddos. I'm very lucky. I, I actually, like you said, I got into the real estate business probably around 2003. For nine months, I tried to make it work. I couldn't pull it together. I ended up quitting the business and, and I got this job as a bookkeeper. And, and thankfully, I had a good friend pull me back in by taking me to one more seminar, right? One more, mm. come with me to one more seminar. And I'm like, man, I've done all the seminars. Like I bought all the courses, all the books, all the tapes, that stuff doesn't work. And I was super skeptical and I was kind of beaten up by then. And, but I had this hope, you know, because you look around and everybody in my hometown that was super wealthy owned real estate. And I knew it was a path. I just couldn't figure it out for myself. And it, I didn't start with any money. You know, I was my parents actually sat me down during that first nine months and said, Cody, what are you doing? Like, just focus on school and your other stuff because yeah. you don't have any money yet. Like, you can't be a real estate investor. You got you to gotta be rich first to do real estate. Yeah. And so I was, I was super beat, beat up, but luckily I went to that seminar and I met a mentor and I, I was able to pull it back together, like you said. And, and so for the first few years, probably about four or five years, I just had my head down. I, I, I tried to put some blinders on. I tried not to get distracted. And I just found a simple system that worked and I just worked the system. Like I didn't try to like invent new things. I, I was doing a process called wholesaling, which is no money down real estate where you find distressed people or distressed houses and you work out a good deal to buy the property from them. And once you put the property under contract, you, at least here in the States, um, and I know before we started recording, you guys have something similar in New Zealand. But once you control the real estate per the terms of the contract, even though you haven't bought it yet, you still have some things that you can do with the real estate because you control it. And I would flip the paperwork to people who actually could afford the real estate. So rehabbers and landlords, and I'd find like a matchmaker fee. Mm. And so I just kind of put my head down and I did that over and over again. And I would make three grand, five grand, 10 grand. Every once in a while, I'd get a bigger one where it'd be 15 or 20 grand. But I just, it was like, over and over and over, I just did that. And through that process, I taught myself 
uh, and you got to go back to 2003, four or five blogs and social media and all that stuff were just like coming into existence. So like a lot of this online marketing and stuff that I'm now really good at, I was teaching myself by writing articles. Uh, and if you ever want to learn your craft better, right? Become a blogger about it, you know, write about it or, or start, start a podcast about it. Because as you're researching and trying to formulate your thoughts and actually go into like teaching mode, uh, it was internalizing inside me. And I didn't realize how much that actually helped me later on by mm. writing all those blogs. And, and so that's what I did for my, the beginning. And I got good at marketing and I, I got, you know, you kind of look around one day and you go, you know what, it'd be really cool if I had some help. And so then now, now all of a sudden I'm going from a solopreneur to like an entrepreneur where I'm bringing on team members. And I, I screwed that all up for the first year or two, you know, not really understanding how to work with people. I, I had to kind of teach myself how to build culture and how to get people on board with your vision and keep them on board and, and uh, all that stuff. And then uh, probably around my third or fourth year in the business, I finally started rehabbing. I was starting to keep more rental property. And at the eighth year, I had so many people coming to me saying, Cody, how do you do what you do? And I was putting out all these like little videos and, and articles and stuff that people were like, I want to do what you're doing. And the education business was kind of born just by accident. I didn't have any intention. I've always wanted to be a, a, a history teacher as a little kid. And so I kind of had that teacher thing in me. But I had all these people coming to me and I'm like, hey, if you want to hire me, I can kind of coach you through your first deal. And one client turned to 10 clients, turned to 50 clients, turned to hundreds of clients. And all of a sudden, this company, cleverinvestor.com, kind of was born out of this, me having so much fun teaching mm. what we were doing. And uh, it, was, it was totally by surprise. And, and, and I think something that a lot of people appreciated from me is before I got... Uh, went to college and before I got into real estate, as a young kid, I didn't really have a, a very good path. Um, I was mm -hmm. hanging around kids that weren't up to no good. You know, they, they were doing drugs, they were partying a lot, no ambition. None of my friends were talking about business stuff. They were all just hustling and uh, partying. And I got really lucky. I, I could have went down the path. Some of my friends ended up going to juvenile hall. Some of my friends ended up even going to prison. Some, you know, selling drugs and getting caught and doing dumb stuff. And I got lucky. I went in the Navy. Hmm. And the Navy, it gave me the ability to man up. It gave me the ability to toughen up. It gave me the, I, I was exposed to systems and structure and accountability at a level I've never seen. And through that four-year process, I fell in love with that structure. So I, I slowly applied it towards my business. And people listening probably have heard of SOPs or standard operating procedures. It's just documenting the, you know, a process in your business and really going in and getting the details flushed out. So that way you can hand that document to anybody. And all of a sudden your business stops relying on a person and their unique skill set, And it starts to free you because you can put anybody in that chair and there's all the SOPs and all the documentation. And I took a lot of that from the military because they literally have a system for everything. Mm. Shine your shoes. There's a system. Make your bed. There's a system. You know, everything I was doing in my, my job, there was a system and there was structure and protocols. And I applied that towards my real estate business. So when people came to me for the training, I just handed them like a big book of SOPs. Yeah. I'm like, this is what we do. And they were blown away by that because it took the things I wasn't good at and it leveled the playing field. 
it yeah. made it to where, where anybody can kind of pile in and do it. So uh, I went military and got into real estate uh, during college, graduated college, never used any of my college stuff. And then next thing you know, I'm flipping houses. I own an education business and I was reinvesting all my real estate profits and friends would come to me and say, I want to start a business. I'd say, Oh, I, I like you. You're, you're, you're a hustler. You're ambitious. I like the idea. And I'd start putting money in all these things. Next thing you know, I own all these companies and, uh, yeah. some of them, some of them done well, most of them have failed. And, and now here I am, uh, social media was kind of, uh, something I leaned in on from its inception. It got really good at LinkedIn, really good at Facebook dominated Instagram, realized that every social platform is a little hackable in some form or fashion. And that's probably why we're talking is because you probably saw me on social media, putting out content. And all of a sudden now here I am 42 years old, looking around, talking to good people like you going, how did I get here? I can't believe it. This is, it's been such a wild ride all from one decision to go from, I quit. I'm never doing real estate. It's not for me. Maybe they're right. You know, maybe my parents are right. Maybe I should wait till later. Oh, now's not the right time to, all right, I'll go to this event and I'll try one more time. And if I wouldn't have went to that event, I'd never be here. It's a consistent story that I see out of all the people I bring on the show, like yourself, who are massively successful is you're feeling pain in your situation and then you actually do something about it. You take that next jump, you find a mentor. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. Now I know that pattern, right? I know that the way to get success is to follow on the path of someone. I know that you you need to have people counseling you and supporting you in that direction. And I know that you need to have self-awareness to say, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And you need to have balls to go after it. But I think that a lot of people, they feel like there's luck involved or they feel like there's things that are out of their control and that, you know, you're just lucky or you had opportunity or you this, you that. And an actual fact is uh, 90% of the people that I'm bringing on, they're all, well, I even dare say hundred percent, right? Are all self-made. They had a problem, they overcame it, they found a solution and then they just kept working towards it. And I think that some of the most successful people will, will say the same thing as what you said, which is, I sometimes don't know how I got here. I feel exactly the same way. And that's because success is a, is a, an accumulation, right? You, you get a result and then you keep investing in yourself and leveraging it. It's like rungs on a ladder, right? To get to the top of the ladder, you don't jump really high or somebody lifts you up. You just go one step at a time. And if you don't look down, you'll be 10 kilometers or 10 miles, as you'd say in the US, in the air. And, um, and you think, how the hell did I get here? Because you just kept going one step after another. And there's always things that come up and, you know, shit that gets in our way, right? But it's, it's a matter of pivoting. It's a matter of finding a solution. Um, so from where you are now to, and, and where you were, right? Before it was just you doing everything, I assume. You would have been finding mm-hmm. properties and hustling to, to get contracts and signing everything. And now you'd have a team of people that go and find them, qualify them, and then bring them to your management to, to sort. SOPs are a massive part of that. A lot of health professionals, we don't document. And so whenever we hire someone, we then have to train them. And mm-hmm it takes up time and effort. And then the, it doesn't go well because we, each time we're training slightly differently, we don't have any SOPs and standardized practices and how to do stuff. And so it really kind of forms like this upside down pyramid where it's top heavy and there's this glass ceiling we can't break through. Other than that, what do you think's helped you to kind of keep scaling and keep growing and, and breaking through those, those glass ceilings that, that a lot of people experience? Yeah, so first off, there's a lot of people out there that 
got really good at doing something, right? They, 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 they were a plumber or they were an architect or whatever, and they're working for somebody else and they get really good at it. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to go start my own thing. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you, you quickly realize that there's this whole world of other things that have to get done that have nothing to do with the thing that you're really good at. And so for me, when I started to try and scale and I was screwing some stuff up, a lot of it was just not understanding a couple key things. Most entrepreneurs know what they do. A lot of them know how they do it. Then this guy, Simon Sinek, comes around and goes, hey, you know what they're missing? They're missing the why. Why are you doing it? And that's like the, the underlying kind of rallying cry behind a business. For me, I think there's also one more level. And this is what I really discovered and leaned in on and what has allowed me to scale, you know, I'm very lucky. I was able to scale some businesses pretty big where, you know, I have 70 team members on one company and 45 on another. And I own a bunch of businesses with fairly large teams. And um, it's not just what, it's not just how, it's not just why, but it's also what's in it for them if they do it alongside with you. Because Mm -hmm. what I found is it's my job as the owner and CEO to put the right people in the right seats of the bus, give them the tools and everything that they need to do well at what they do, but also allow somebody like me that has a really big vision to take other very talented, what I would call entrepreneurs, and put them in my bus, our bus, and put them in there and say, my vision's here, your vision's here, they can work together and fit within each other And we both can get what we want out of this thing. And I think a lot of people are scared to have these types of conversations of here is the roadmap. Here's the path towards your life being successful and your goals getting alignment with mine because alignment equals velocity. And if you don't have that alignment, you will not win the game with team members. And why are we scared to have these conversations? We're scared because we can't even see it clearly sometimes. Yeah. We're scared to make that commitment of a two-year and a three-year plan because as entrepreneurs, we're just running and gunning. We're doing a little of this and see what works. And if it works, we'll go in that direction. And if that works, we might shift over here. But the really good leaders, they lead. They're not playing catch-up. They're leading. And I've developed a knack through the interviewing process and through the relationship building process to pull out of people where do you want to go with your life? What are your hot buttons? What's important to you? What's your family like? And then applying that towards a bonus program, because I like to get that alignment. So it's like, yeah, I can, I can pay people big salaries, but I prefer if we all take the ride together. Yeah. So if you looked at my compensation plan, they're all structured around small bases, huge bonus, huge upside for my team members, especially the important ones, maybe, maybe not customer support right? Like it's hard to, there's a limit to how much they're going to make. It's just that the position limits what they're going to, but a marketing director, how important are leads? Mm. How important are sales, right? Like without that, you can have the greatest widget in the world, right? We can have this thing. It's perfect. Nobody's ever invented this widget before, but if I can't market and sell this, none of it matters. It's the oxygen for the business. So I want those people operating at a very high caliber through having those types of conversations. So that's that for a core capability that you need to develop within yourself as an entrepreneur. Yeah. 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 I, I, I see that with, with my team. So uh, for example, I, I run a healthcare practice as well and it, it's setups that it essentially runs itself. 
And within that, it was this realization that I might want something, but finding the people that facilitate that is, is a different story. And a lot of the time, especially with smaller practices, we get stuck in this idea of, well, I want to go here and it's hard to find people who are going to support uh, that vision. So I'm just going to kind of do it myself. And, and you might go fast when you're alone, but you can't go far, as they say, when you're alone. And if you're wanting to, to build you know, this ship that's moving in a direction and, and isn't dependent on you and you're actually building a business and not just hustling in a job, because most health professionals, if you're, and, and if you're listening to this, right, if, you, if it's just you and you are working in it and you've got your one assistant, you don't have a business. You've got a job. It's just you don't get the health benefits. You don't get you know, hot paid holidays because you don't get paid if you don't work, but it is a job. And to build a business, you have to have team members that, that are part of that, that journey that are on your bus, so to speak. And what I found was I was pushing staff too hard. I had contractors and I'm looking at what they're doing. I'm thinking, why aren't they achieving more? Why can't they do more? Why can't they do more? And I realized that it's because that's where their measure of success is. And assuming that I have qualified them effectively and hired and trained them and, and I, you know, brought in the right kinds of people, understanding what they want to achieve is an important part of the business to help it grow. Like you said, if I know where they want to be at and it's within the bounds of where I want to be at, then I'm happy to support them in getting that. And so my associates are happier than I've been because I'm focusing on what do they want to achieve. One of them has been a bit stressed out lately with personal things going on. So I said, she wanted to quit. And I said, why don't we just rework how you're working in the practice? So she's pulled back some shifts and now she's still there adding to the team and the energy and, and helping clients. Instead of losing a really good uh, you know, a contractor in this case, I've just shifted uh, the goalpost a little bit for her, allowed her to reach her goals and be happy, which still assists the business moving forward. And too many times we try and have you know, our hands in everything and control everything. And you need these key people if you want your business to move forward. What's your process like for finding talent? Do you have kind of a constant base of people that are always reaching out? Do you go out and kind of hustle to find people? Do you try and poach people from other businesses? Um, what's typically your process for finding top talent? Yeah, now um, uh, it's a lot different than what it used to be just because I built such a great, well-respected brand in the real estate space. So, you know, not only am I one of the largest online educators and software developers in the real estate investing niche, but I'm also a very active investor, developer. You know, we, I own a construction company. I own, you know, a lending operation. I own a title company. Like I, I've now parlayed a lot of my monies into all these different businesses. So I've, I've kind of verticalized what we do. And mm. uh, it's a lot easier for me to get talent now. Um, having a million plus social media followers on Instagram, I go live or I put out something, say, hey, I'm looking for this and I'll get yeah. 500 DMs. So let's go back to like day one. No, I, I, I wasn't really trying to ever poach anybody. And I think technology's gotten a lot better to find talent. For me, it, it really came down to before I can hire and train somebody else, I better understand the position well enough and have it documented. So that way, when somebody shows up, they can win. Because yeah. I've tried it to where I didn't have my stuff together. And I just put somebody there. And I said, figure it out. And you can have extremely talented, very capable people. They'll after the, the fun of the new job wears off, like month three, they're starting to fade out and, and you lose them. And so for me, it's all about documentation and your systems and your protocols. And making sure that you understand the position well enough so that way you can put somebody in there. Uh, yeah. 
social, obviously, I like, I like to see people that are already in motion and be able to observe them like a fly on the wall. So I get a lot of great, talented people off of social media. And by the way, anybody listening to this, building an SOP is very easy. You could do it with very little work. I've even had virtual assistants build my SOPs for me. Mm. So if you're, if you're thinking like, oh my God, I don't have time to like sit there and document every aspect of my business. First off, one day a week should always be dedicated. I called it system Saturdays. One day a week, you should always dedicate towards your, your systems. Yeah. The way I do SOPs is very simple. I create a Google Doc, right? On that Google Doc, I put how to generate leads off of Facebook, right? Like that's what I'm going to document, right? And so it's like, all right, I got this whole Facebook posting and direct messaging strategy where I'm going to put out posts and engage people and try and get them to DM me. And then I'm going to sell in my DMs or I'm going to generate leads in my DMs. Or, you know, I'm going to join groups and infiltrate groups and I'm going to DM all the group members and try and generate leads, whatever that process is. All I do is I, I call it generate leads off Facebook. And then I just document step one, join groups. Step two, do posts. Step three, DM members. Step four, copy paste this pre-written DM. Step five, whatever. And then what I do is I use like uh, I think it's Loom or Camtasia or any screen recording software. And then I just do it. And I I just create like a three minute video where I do it real fast. And at the top of the Google doc, I put the link to that little three minute video and voila, you have an SOP, right? And now I can take that and I can hand it to a virtual assistant or I can hand it to another team member and say, this is now what you do. Yeah. You know? We do, we do the same thing. It's, it's literally just, and a really great way of doing this for the listeners is if you're hiring someone and you're going to have to train them. And this is what we did. We didn't really have these things in the practice. And so I said, kept saying to my, my wife and business partner, look, we need to be recording some stuff because this is getting silly. We're repeating the same things to people constantly whenever we're training them. It's a waste of time. Uh, and it's making it harder for our staff to train people, which means we then need to do it, which then means we're not focusing on the stuff that matters. So I said, okay, well, this next person, that's going to be it. And so what we did was, let's say it was the appointment book. So instead of training them on the appointment book, we trained them on the appointment book by recording what we were doing as if the person was there. Mm. And then we just gave them the video. And then we still took them through it in this case because we needed to see that that the system worked and that showing them this way was working. We could see where the holes were. But what it meant was once we had done that, that was it. So now when we have a new assistant, it's like, here you go. Here's all the documents. Go watch these videos learn the job. And then when we have a training, it's show us how to do these things so that we know that you know how to do it versus constantly having to, and that you can outsource that now. Now my staff do it. You know what I mean? I'm just documenting. I'm not having to create anything. I'm just documenting what I was going to have to show them anyway. And now it's recorded forever. It's great. And, and, and you could do this too. Let's say you have four or five team members and you're already in motion, but you don't really have good documentation. And you're, a fear of it of yours in the back of your mind is always like, if I lose this person, I'm kind of screwed because mm-hmm. they know things on how to do what they do that I don't understand. Yeah. And I've already invested a year or two's worth of money into this team member. And I'm just hoping nothing ever happens to them. They mm-hmm. don't get poached. Right now, they're good. And that's mm-hmm. always should be a fear. So what we do at the end of every year for the entire month of December, we do what's called a write and tight contest. And we have a trophy and every single person builds their SOP book or updates it or adds new things based on stuff that we've been doing for the year that's new maybe from last year. 
and we have a contest. Each department competes against each other. And at the end of it, there's a $500, you know, uh, gift card to some really nice steakhouse or something that the, the team or the department or the person gets to win for at the end of December, handing over their right and tight book. Yeah. Right. Something like simple. That. Gamify it is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good because you never want to be in a position where someone's holding on to, to your jewels, so to speak, got you by the balls and saying, Hey, look, I run your business because you've, you've let me learn everything. And now there's no documentation. Now, sometimes that happens, you know, consciously where it's, it's not a good situation. Other times it's just, okay, I'll see you later, James. I'm, I'm leaving now. And you say, okay, bye Stacy. Um, bye Dave. And then they leave. And then you try and jump in and train someone else. And you think, Holy crap, I don't, know how to do any of this stuff because they were doing everything and then your business falls over. And so you never want to have someone in a key position that has control because they're the only one that knows. And so this documentation is so important. I think that what people don't realize when you're looking at hiring team members and contractors and whoever else to grow your business is that it's your business and that's the bus. Like you said, I like this analogy. I've heard it before. The bus is heading in a direction. We're going somewhere, right? We're driving to the airport or whatever. And there needs to be someone who's driving the bus. There's someone who's navigating. There's someone who's checking the tire pressure. There's someone who's making sure everyone's fed. And they're all part of that team to make the bus get to where uh, you want it to go. But if you haven't planned where your destination is, if you haven't planned what kind of bus you're going to need, how many seats are going to be on it, you know, what are these places and then defined each role, it becomes very difficult to actually steer this thing to go where you want it to go. And most people just let a whole lot of strangers on the bus and say, hey guys, we're going here. Some of them don't want to go there and it doesn't work. And then you have to now start hustling and driving with one hand and reaching for something in the other hand and it doesn't work. Whereas if you define the role super clearly for each seat on the bus, suddenly when you bring someone in, they don't need to be the super genius to figure everything out. They just need to slot into the position. And this is where skills can be taught, but personality can't. And so we like to hire for personality. We like to hire for people that are a good fit in our team culture who have a base level of skills, but we don't focus on them being the ultimate talent. We focus on them being the ultimate person. And then we have the SOPs in place, the roles defined. It's very easy for them to step in uh, and assume that position. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but I've definitely noticed that that's made it a lot easier for us. I think um, one question I ask every person I interview, Right. I ask them, I say, hey, let me ask you something. What type of computer do you use? And they say, I use a PC or I use a Mac. And I go, okay, cool. You use a Mac. What web browser do you use? A person's web browser is going to tell a lot about me. I like this question. Yeah. Okay. And here's my thinking on this. Every computer system, whether it's a Mac or a PC, comes with a pre-built-in web browser. Right? So if you're on PC, you're going to get Internet Explorer. And if you're on Mac, you're going to get Safari. If you're the type of person that never really explores better alternatives, right? You just take whatever is given to you and you just use it, right? That tells me what type of energy and attitude you do. And maybe that type of person that just, that they don't, they don't look for Chrome. They don't look for any other, you know, Firefox. They, you know, somebody might say, I got all of them downloaded. I literally have every web browser ever created. That tells me, okay, that person might be good in marketing. That person might be good in this type of function because they are always exploring for the best thing. Whereas mm-hmm. somebody that never downloads anything, they just take what's out of the box and they don't even think about it. They're like, why would I ever download something? Like that's their attitude. 
And so, oh, okay, cool. You're perfect for accounting. You're perfect for mm. operation system structure, like rigid, follow the system. So think about that next time, you know, your, your hiring questions actually will give you a lot of insight in their, their personality. Yeah. And I think you're, you're, you're spot on. I've, I've moved people from one seat to the next and have them completely shift and flourish. Mm. I've had, I've had people that I was on the way, they were on the way out. They were just, I love the team. I love the culture. And I've won lots of culture awards at Clever Investor. Lots of them. I was named number one place to work in Arizona by the Arizona Republic, our number one newspaper. Arizona State, where I graduated from, ASU, they gave me a huge award for building a business and having culture as a, um, as a graduate. And we've done all kinds of stuff. I, I've had private chefs cook for our entire team. We have like health and fitness challenges throughout the year. I pay for all of it. I pay for everybody's gym memberships. Like I'm, I'm pretty aggressive on the culture side of things. Even so, I've had people depressed and sad and in the wrong spot. And I, I, I figure it out or it comes to my mm. attention and I move them. And all of a sudden, they're like a new human being. Yeah. This is vitally, vitally important as an entrepreneur to, to develop those skills. And if you don't have them, it's probably just because you're not making them a priority right now. Yeah. You're too you in the to. weeds of your own business. Yeah. Yeah. You have to prioritize. And, and it's that catch 22. If we're too in the weeds, you can't see stuff, but then it's sometimes hard to get your head out, but it's, it, it's about saying, where do I want to go with this and what has to happen to, to allow me to achieve that. And, and the first thing is getting the right team and then making sure that everyone's in the right place and then developing that further. One question that, that I thought I'd add that, that I ask uh, in our interviews is, um, what kind of animal would you be and why? Now, it doesn't matter at all really to me what they say. Sometimes people say some weird things and it's not this weird psychological question. I don't care what they say. I then ask them, why wouldn't you be that animal? And I love this question because everyone always thinks it's some kind of personality thing. So they say, I'd be a lion because I'm strong and I'm this and I'm that. And then I say, why wouldn't you be a lion? And they're just completely stumped. And they're looking at me thinking, oh crap, I don't know. And what I'm looking for, because with the role that, that we're usually filling in, in the practice is someone at the front desk, is I'm look, just looking for how they problem solve. I'm just looking for how they answer and make up anything because someone who can think on their feet is someone that I want at the front desk because when there's a problem, they can talk their way through it and then come back to me and say, James, someone asked me this question. I have no idea what the answer is, but I told them this, look, what's the answer so I can come back to them? But they handled the situation properly. And I think that fits in with when you're hiring for the roles, is especially in healthcare, we just kind of ask similar questions for everyone. And we're not really thinking about what their role is going to be, what their personality needs to be to, to fit that and what's their skill set. So we can slot them in the right seat in the bus that we've already defined because we have the SOP and we've got the plan in place. We just kind of take people that we can get. And organizations that just hire for the sake of hiring fall over because they're, it just doesn't work for a culture. It's not a good culture fit. Um, I think we could talk about this all day, but I'm conscious of time. So I've got one, one more question for you. What's one thing that health professionals can do uh, this week to improve their businesses and, and grow and, and reach more people? I mean, for me, if you, it's, it's you know, 2020, 2021, if, if, if you're not at a place where you have a very strong personal brand going on online, you're, you're missing out on a tremendous amount of opportunities for me, building a personal brand, it's opened up so many doors, so many opportunities, so much money flow. People, not only that I've done business with, but just people that I've been able to connect with and learn from. Yeah. So, you know, just like what we're doing right here, I, I, I think leaning in and, and getting a good social media strategy. See, I don't use social media as a consumer. I use yeah. it as a creator. And I think it's really important for you to shift from consumer to creator mindset especially if you're trying to grow your business and, and grow your following and be able to, like me, 
now I, I put out a post, I get all the talent to come to me. Yeah. You know, I get yeah. the money to come to me. And it, it was a lot of hard work, but with things like Instagram, if you're just posting pictures of your food and in places that you are visiting and stuff like that, you're missing out. You yeah. need to pick it, pick a theme, pick a niche. And I think, I think the health space, the fitness space, I think any, everybody can relate to that. You know, we, we all want to be healthier. We all at some point are going to deal with health problems, health challenges, health, whatever. And so it's a, it's a very wide open thing, but I would get consistent with my posting schedule. I would clean up all my goofball stuff on my page. I wouldn't name my page, you know, uh, sexy Cody 69, you know, I get a, I get a good brand name behind it. I get good photography. I get consistent posting, write really great captions that actually pour out a little bit of your heart and soul in your captions and, and share some of your personality in those captions, connect with other people that are trying to grow their pages that are at the same level as you. So if you have 500 followers, connect with other people that are doing, you know, have 500 followers and all share each other's pages and just get involved with each other. And then eventually you'll get to a thousand or 2000. You'll have some more marketing firepower. I never asked my followers for the, in the beginning to do anything other than just engage. Mm. And eventually you'll, you'll start getting enough people engaging with you and enough followers that, uh, you know, once you cross over 10,000 on Instagram, you get swipe up features. Now you have some marketing firepower. You can pull people off your Instagram and into your funnels and into your world, which leads me to the second half of that thought, which is marketing is the lifeblood of your business. If you're not the loudest megaphone in your business, you are already missing out. It is yeah. your job to set the standard, set the tone, tell the story, which means that you got to be a good storyteller. And if you haven't taken the time, you know, if I meet you at a, a party and you don't have a really good 30 second pitch, I'm yawning and trying to like sidestep my way out of there. Mm. You know, if I met you, what are you going to tell me that you do? Are you going to say, you know, I run a healthcare business and then you're done talking? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Am I, am I excited about that? You know, are you going to, are you going to connect it to an emotional thing? Are you yeah. going to, are you going to talk to my soul? Most people don't take the time to even write down who they are and what their 30 second pitch is. And, and that goes along with building the brand. When people meet me, I kind of have this pre-created thought that I can share with them in a very short amount of time and, and they get it. They get what I do, why I do it, how I do it, what's in it for them if they do it with me, all that mm -hmm. good stuff. So yeah, tie a nice little bow on it and go hard on your marketing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. If, if, if you're not selling what, what you're about and selling to people why it's going to be valuable to them and, and connecting with people at an emotional level, you're, you're leaving so much money and impact on the table. And, and health professionals are all in this because we want to help people as, as kind of typically the, the, the benchmark. And so the only way to help someone is to have them say yes. Because if they don't say yes to you, then you can't help them. And it starts with that strong personal brand and that social media presence and uh, and really being able to, to get out there and, and sell the value of what you're about, you know? I'll, I'll, I'll add one last thing just before I let you go. Do you want to get marriage counseling advice from somebody who's been divorced five times? <laughs> no. Do you want to get financial advice from your broke buddy? Yeah. No. Do I want to get healthcare advice from somebody who's fat and overweight and totally lazy and a slob and smells? No. Come on, let's get real with each other. Like, yeah. if you're not taking care of yourself right now and you're in the health space on any level, step your game up. Yeah. You know? 
he might not like that advice, but it doesn't take a lot. I'm doing, uh, I'm very busy. I got a lot of businesses that I owned. I still have figured out a way to have time to count my macros. Before we started, I'm eating a bowl of white rice with some, I mean, just to get my carbs up and like, I'm, I'm working out twice a day. I'm staying focused. I'm, I'm doing fitness challenges with my team members. I'm getting them involved because I want to have energy. I want to come from a place of authenticity and abundance. I never want to be that person that is giving you advice on how to get your finances together when I'm a hot mess behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, and so I'm just going to add that because sometimes you need a little kick in the pants. This isn't a new year's resolution conversation. This is a lifestyle conversation. If you want to move people, you, you need to lead them and to lead them. You need to be something they're looking towards, right? Like you said, you can't, you can't ask for financial, you don't want to get a financial advice from someone who's broke because it's the wrong. Yeah. And you can be, I'm not saying that you have to be ripped and muscular and all that. So I'm just saying, don't be lazy, you know, be yeah. actively always working towards being your better version of you. When you close your eyes and you go, who do I think I am? Be that person. Don't be the person that you actually are. Be the person that you visualize that you think you are. Yeah. And if you do that every single day and one step in front of another, uh, you're going to get to exactly where you want to go and your business is going to be great. Your relationships will be great. I have more energy. I'm 42 years old. I have more energy. Bring 21-year-old Cody on and I will dominate that Cody energy-wise. Mm. You know, and you talk to a lot of other people and they're always tired. I'm like, it's because you're not living, living with purpose. You're not doing what you know you should be doing. You're neglecting those things. And that's why you're not successful with your marriage, with your finances, with your relationship with God, with your business. And, and you yeah. know it, you know, you could BS a lot of people around you. You cannot look in the mirror and BS yourself. No. So I'll end with that motivational pitch. I love and it. That's hopefully, good. Hopefully you do something with it and go, you know what? Sperber's right. I'm going to get my stuff together. Yeah. Love it. We can now, we can now audience connect with you online. Uh, you know, clever investor on all social channels. Uh, you know, I'm the nerdy, crazy white guy that's talking real estate. I'm always trying to stay positive. I try to stay out of politics, especially here in, in the States right now. Everybody's lost their freaking minds. So I'm just keeping it clean, keeping it positive, talking about building wealth and family and, motor, you know, mindset and health. And that's it. You want to you wanna learn real estate? Uh, I don't teach things outside of the United States. So if you want to invest in the States, cleverinvestor.com. As an entrepreneur, I have a, uh, a new company that I just launched this year called the 100 Million Academy. It's uh, entrepreneur education. I'm very lucky. We have 49 figure entrepreneurs teaching on the platform so far. So I want you to just think about nine figures. That's a hundred plus million dollars in sales hundred plus million dollars in ad spend or a hundred plus million people have seen them, meaning they're famous. So, uh, the hundred million Academy is my newest pet project. It's kind of expanding outside the real estate space and talking to entrepreneurs. We go live Monday through Friday and do live training calls taught by our hundred million instructors. I think it's going to be pretty big. Yeah. We're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, to make it the number one online spot for entrepreneurial education. That's amazing. I'm definitely gonna have that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Today was an awesome episode. Uh, you take care and uh, we'll, we'll catch up soon. All right, thanks. See you guys. Now, if you wanna find out more information on how you can grow your healthcare business, 
I want you to get a copy of my book. Uh, you can visit practicemasterymethod.com where I talk about the nine accelerators on how to grow a seven-figure healthcare business or add seven figures to your revenue. Uh, there are free training. There's free resources uh, that will be shared in the show notes as well. So go and check those out. Uh, and as always, keep at it. Keep hustling uh, because we've got people to help, money to make, and freedom to have. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like the episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a review. I'd really appreciate it as it helps us get our episodes out to more people just like you who want to know how to increase their revenue, impact more people and build businesses that work for the lifestyle they want. Now, I know your time is valuable and I know that you are here to learn the secrets to success in your health business. So I have something special for you just for checking out the episode. Now, if you're a health professional, coach or trainer in business, and you're serious about growing a profitable, impactful business, then pay attention because as a listener of the show, I want you to win. And so I've created a host of resources available exclusively for listeners of the show. So if you're tired of trying to figure out this game of business, marketing and sales all on your own, and you're ready to just implement what's already proven to work rather than reinventing the wheel, I want you right now to go and check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. That's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. And there you'll find over $5,000 worth of trainings, resources, and coaching available only for listeners of the show. Again, that's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. There I'll give you the resources on everything from how to acquire 10 times more of your ideal clients using social media and paid ads, even referrals, how to increase your client conversion into packages at an 80 to 90% conversion rate like me, how to retain your clients for longer, getting them better results and making them happier, how to increase your prices and charge a premium to work with you and how you can build a six, multi-six, even seven-figure practice just like I did, but with a tenth of the time and a tenth of the effort. What I want you to realize is that everything I teach comes from exactly what I did to have success and still have success in my own health business, and I want to share that with you so you can have success too. So go check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider right now and let me help you win big in your health business. Also remember to subscribe for two episodes every week full of the secrets to have success in your health business as well as leave us a review so we know what you thought of the show. And I'll see you on the next episode.